Good evening and welcome to the Non-Negotiables podcast. I'm here with Justin. How are you doing, Jazz? I'm good, Gaff. Hey, hey. Good. No Pascal tonight. He's off scouting in uh, South America with Dick Law chasing Joel Campbell around. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's let's get into it. So, we had a game on Friday night, FA Cup game. We uh, went out 1-0 to Manchester City. Um, I don't want to get into the game too much because I don't think there's that much there, but we'll we'll skim over it quick. Um, we'll start with probably the most interesting point, and that's the, the starting lineup. Um, Arteta made six changes from the weekend. Uh, we saw Tomiyasu Tierney come in. We saw Fabio Vieira come in. We saw Trossard come in, which I think we we all thought would would probably happen. Um, so, Jazz, what did you make of the starting lineup when when you saw it? Uh, I was a little surprised there was that much rotation, but um, I agreed with it as well. Uh, if you remember from the uh, previous pod we did, I think uh, both Paz and I called for a few more changes than you did. So, um, you know, wasn't too surprised to see Tierney, Tommy, and Trossard come in for sure. Uh, Vieira was a little bit more of a surprise, but uh, makes sense to me. I'm, I'm, I was, I was good with the amount of rotation, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I wasn't expecting that amount of change for sure. And I, I mean, I disagree with it. I, I thought we should have gone there to win the game. And I think with, uh, with a first choice team out there, I think we would have won the game. But the, the bit that I, I didn't like the starting lineup, and it's not necessarily the rotation, because I understand if you've decided that that cup's expendable, and we clearly did, that lineup wasn't put out there to win. That lineup was put out there to not lose too badly and move on. Um, but if you're going to do that, I thought, I don't like these half measures. If you're going to rotate, rotate. I don't understand why Thomas Partey was out there. If you're going to rotate like that, if, you, if you've already said that we're giving the game up, just play Lekonga. It, it just didn't make any sense to me um, the, way we, the way we did that. But that being said, um, we actually started well. I thought we had the better of the first half. Um, we definitely had the better of the of the chances. I thought the Tommy Asu chance from Trossard's pullback was was an excellent chance, and then Trossard uh-huh. himself had the uh, the shot across the goalkeeper, which was good. And Trossard was uh, was impressive was impressive throughout, not just in that first half, wasn't he? He was, yeah. Um, I think it's uh, looking to be a really tidy little signing. Um, I, I I like the player a lot. Um, so yeah, so so you know, no complaints there. <clears throat> no, and uh, the one I think that took everyone by surprise was was Rob Holding. Um, and you know, Rob Holding is what he is. We he's been he's been with us forever, so we we know exactly what he is. Um, and I actually thought he had a he had a pretty good first half, really, by what he could do. I mean, there were a couple of a couple of mistakes, and obviously he's quite limited on the ball, but he he handled Harland quite well. Um, the yellow he took, he had to take, and he had to come off at half time. I think we all, you know, I texted you and said we'll be down to ten men by an hour if he's if he's not off. Um, yeah. So he, you know, he had to come off, and I'm 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 not surprised Arteta did it after what he did at the weekend with with Ben White. Um, he showed the the you know that he he can change when needed. Um, but were you surprised by how much City played long? to Haaland because I've never seen them do that before in the games I've seen them, but they seem to be playing long and, and Haaland noticeably stood on holding all night. He didn't want to go near Gabriel in that first half. 
But it seemed to be a ploy that he would pull off and they would go long to him. And I've never seen Man City do that, not under Pep. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, it was pretty uh, a pretty weird strategy. But, you know, I, I got to be honest, just to make like a broader point, um, you know, I, I think um, the way they're having to alter their game plan so much to fit Holland in, I mean, he's scoring the goal, so it looks great now, right? I mean, guys on, uh, you know, uh, on course to uh, break the golden boot record and everything. But, you know, they're not playing how they used to. They're having to change up their entire game plan for for Holland. And all he really is 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 a goal scorer, you know, not to, you know, uh, take credit away from him or anything because he's incredible at that. But, yeah, this one in particular was 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 really odd. I felt like it wasn't uh, traditional Man City as we've known him under Pep at all. No, I mean, Holland is... <sighs> It's and I don't want this to sound flippant or or anything, but he he is the worst best player I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, outside the box with a ball at his feet, he's he's worse than Nicholas Bentner. He he can't control a football. He cannot dribble a football. But you put him in a straight line going towards goal, and he's unstoppable. I, I've never seen anything. I've never seen anything remotely remotely close to him. I I really haven't. Um, and like you said, Man City are definitely trying to uh, find different ways to play. And I wonder how much that's got to do with Cancelo leaving today, which was a, a, a bit of a shock. But it's I, I do wonder how much that is Pep trying to trying to adjust. Because at Barcelona, when he signed Ibrahimovic, he never tried to adjust. Um, so I wonder here if if he's actually that's him trying to adjust. But yeah, it was it was worth noting how long they went because obviously this is the first part of a trilogy. Um, and it's the least important yeah. part of the of the trilogy. That's, I mean, even I will tell you that as much as I wanted to go through, um, it's the least important part of a trilogy. Um, and I do wonder how much of our starting lineup just to go back there was Mikel not wanting to tip his hand too much, but to give him just enough to come off that pitch, going, hmm, we've got a bit of a challenge here. Um, anyway, so so that was the that was the first half in a nutshell. The second half was was. Pretty much a non-event. Um, they got the goal, uh, which come from a, 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 a long shot, long-range shot by Alvarez that cannon back off the post, and then I don't think anyone had uh, Ake on their betting slips to to calmly pass one into the far corner, but that went in, and then we saw the subs where he he made the rafter changes, and I don't know how much that was to do with getting back into the game, and how much that was to do with the fact that we are only playing one game a week at the minute. And he yeah. wants to keep everybody fresh, you know what I mean? Like he wants to keep minutes in everybody's legs. And I think that that played a part in those subs. And we pushed late on. Jack had that fantastic cross to Martinelli that Laporte just uh, to Enkelia, sorry, that that he just Laporte just managed to get his toe on and put wide. And that was really the best, I think, the best opportunity that we fashioned. Except maybe the one that Bruno Vieira, uh, Fabio Vieira, um, hit off the outside of his boot and the volley that went wide. Oh yeah, yeah. That that was that was actually a really good chance, and I thought he had time to bring that down. Um, but like I said, I don't really want to go into the game too much. You, you, is there anything else I haven't I haven't mentioned? Uh, yeah, I just uh, I wanted to give uh, flowers to uh, Matt Turner, who I thought was really good. Um, yes, yeah, so I agree. I think he was excellent. I uh, I'm well you remember his debut right for arsenal i think uh mm -hmm. most uh arsenal fans were a little worried about it i think he looked really shaky and um you know i was i was thinking you know what do we have you know the american runners in here but 
he's really went from strength to strength and I think his distribution's gotten a lot better, but I mean, he's a, he's a really good shot stopper. Um, nothing he could do about that Aki goal. I mean, it was just good placement, you know, and defense let him down a little bit, but you know, I, I think, uh, he, he deserves a lot of credit. He's, he's done really well every time he's had to step in. Yeah, I agree. He's always been a good shot stopper. And I think that first guy, what, one thing that a lot of people don't realize, and if you if you don't watch MLS or follow the USMNT, you, you wouldn't have known this, but he was out for a long time. Um, you know, he was out for months and months, and he only played, I think, one or two games for the Revolution before he actually signed on with us over that last six months. So there was a case of him being rusty as much as mm-hmm. anything else when he first came in. On top of the pressure playing for a new club, I think he'd only been with us for like a week by the time he got that first game. I think uh, right, yeah. so, you know, so I understand him being a bit nervy and, and there was always the reports of him where he's not very good with his feet. How's he going to fit? And I think he's worked on that a lot and I think you can see it. And I think one thing I'll say for, for Matt Turner, he's someone who came through the US college system. Um, he was never highly rated. I don't know if he was even drafted, actually. Um, and he's fought his way. And if you've done that, you've got the mentality and you've also got the aptitude to learn. And I think he's done a magnificent job since he's got to us working with his feet. And some of the passes he played last night, it wasn't Ramsdale-esque. He takes a little bit longer to get the ball out of his feet than, yeah. than Ramsdale does. Um, but he definitely was making some of them passes into midfield with both feet mm-hmm. uh, that I, I thought was pretty impressive. So I think you're you're right to you're right to touch on that. And at the end of the day, we we go out one nil. I, I mean, I'm not devastated at being out of the FA Cup. I think a lot of people see it as less games, and you know, we we really we don't have the the squad to carry a ton of games, which we'll get into in the second half, I'm sure. Um, but what was your overriding feeling coming out afterwards, being that this is the first of a trilogy um, that's pretty much going to decide the title and our chance of our first title in 20 years. Well, my feelings were really positive, to be honest, despite the loss. Um, I think we rotated heavier than City did. We were at the Etihad, you know, away. Um, and I I thought, you know, we were damn near equal to him, you know. Um, obviously, you know, the, the scoreline, you know, is a little different. But, I mean, you know, you look at the stats, you go back, you know, I was surprised. I think uh, I talked to you about this already, but I was surprised seeing the uh, the golf in XG. I think it was like 0.34 for City to 0.26 for Arsenal. But I I thought we had uh, maybe the the better chances in the game. To be honest with you, um, overall though, I was one of those people. I mean, I I want to win every game, but I wasn't going to be upset if we crashed out here. I think uh, with the opportunity we have in the league. And, you know, I obviously prioritize Europa as well, European trophy. I was, uh, I was okay to go out here, but I think we went out the best way you could ask for being competitive. Yeah. And- yeah I think that's undeniable. And like <laughs> I was saying earlier, I think that's, I think we we've come out of that with a lot of confidence and they have come out of it with more questions. Um, yeah. you, you know, like you said, we heavily rotated and, and they didn't. Um, but I would imagine that, with the way we played, we we didn't change our game plan despite the fact we rotated. We played in exactly the same way as we normally do, um, and for, especially for that first half, it it worked a treat, and we were we looked yeah. really really good. And I think they know they're in a battle now. If they didn't beforehand, yeah, definitely. I think um, it's going to give them some question marks about um, 
you know, our, our Premier League fixtures. And I also think uh, even though they got a little taste of it, you know, when Zinchenko plays at left back in, instead of Tierney, you know, uh, we create more chances, we keep the ball more, we score more goals, you know, so we kind of have a, you know, obviously City's familiar with Zinchenko, but, uh, you know, it's, we kind of kept it an, an ace up our sleeve. So I think, you know, full starting 11, I, I, I'd bet on Arsenal. I would, especially at home, and I I like our chances at the Etihad as well. Yeah, I I I think that that's that's one of the main points of this. I mean, we've got probably the best player in the Premier League right now, in Martin Odegaard, to come back into that team. Um, Saka played within himself. I, I mean, I just I can't put it any other way. You were watching that game; he wasn't at it, and I understand it. You've you've thrown him into a team where you've made all these changes, and he, he only played. Let's be fair, because he's got no cover. Um, so he was he was going through the motions really. I don't think he was showing his best stuff. Um, and I think when when they do come to the to the Emirates in a few weeks' time, I, I really do think this game has given us a, a, a real boost. There was a long time where we'd play games like this, we'd go away, we'd be fearing getting beat four and five nil, and that was never on the cards. No nope. Friday night, like at no point was that was that on the cards. So I do think that for this next set of games against them. It's definitely given us a boost. Um, so when it comes to the league, we know what we're going to do in that first meeting against them. We've got a couple of games to get through before that, but we know what we've got to do. Can you see them, being they only made two changes, and one of them was the goalkeeper, so obviously we know Edison is, is going to come back in. But do you think they're going to do it a little bit differently against us at the Emirates as to how they would have before this game? Oh. You know, Pep is such a hard manager to predict. And I think, uh, you know, part of part of their struggles in, in the Champions League in the last few seasons usually comes from uh, uh, overthinking it, I feel like. Uh, so you kind of never know what you're going to get with Pep. But I do hope this game got into his head a little bit and he makes some some crazy decisions. I mean, that's what I'm hoping for, you know. Yeah, I think there'll be a little bit more defensive than we've seen them before. I, I don't think they're going to be as willing to send the fullbacks forward. Um, and and now with the with Cancelo going, I mean, it's it's one less option they've got. I, I, I'm imagining when we play them, I think Kyle Walker will play at right back um, yeah. because he's going to shadow Martinelli. And I'm imagining he's not going to push on too much. I just, I don't see them going all out. I can see him trying to play more on the break, um, which is obviously not their their usual style. Um, so I can definitely see that. And for us, I think we just got to carry on doing what we're doing because it, it's been working. It clearly worked against them on Friday with a weakened lineup. So I'm I'm really looking forward to going head to head with them with a first choice or as, as near as damn it to a, a first choice lineup as as we can put out. That's going to be some game. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And if we do get a result there, it's going to push us a long way ahead. And this this weekend we've got Everton away and they've got they've got uh, Spurs away, and that's gonna that's gonna also you know every game now you're ticking off the wins right. Every time we win, it's one ticked off. Every time they yep. don't win, it's one ticked off. They they have to win from here on. Every every draw for them is is like a defeat. So let's let's talk about Everton just just for a couple minutes. Um, what do you think about the uh, Sean Dyche appointment? That's that's about uh, 
He's going to, you know, he'll get there. First off, I think it's very unfair that we don't get to play against a Frank Lampard team. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think it's fair that we didn't get the chance to do that. But I think he'll be a decent appointment. They've already got a Dyche-like squad. When you when you think about it, you know they've already they've got they've got fullbacks that are are, are really centre backs people, you know like Mason Holgate and and uh, Godfrey. They've, yep. they've got players that are basically centre backs. They're playing fullbacks, which Dice always likes to do. Um, they've got a lot of hard working players. What happens to Alex Iwobi now will be interesting because he's probably been their best player this season, yeah, playing central midfield. Um, and I'll be interested to see how he deploys him. Um, he'll love having Calvert-Lewin to lump the ball up to, I'm sure. Yep. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff gets written about Arsenal at Burnley and Dyche and that. We actually have a fantastic record against Sean Dyche. I think the only team with a better record against Sean Dyche is Manchester City. Um, I think we've played them 13 times and won 10 or 11 of the 13 wow. that we've played against Sean Dyche. Like, it, it isn't close. As much as the media narrative is, is you know, that, that Arsenal don't like this and don't like that, we actually used to win at Burnley constantly. Um, I do think this game at Everton is a game we should be winning. Uh, I, yeah. I, I think it's uh, it's despite the the new manager bounce thing. I just think if you want to win the league, you've got to go to games, go into games like this and win. Yep. They just shifted Anthony Gordon as well, so um, not that you know he's. That that that's a shocking transfer to me. Uh, you know, just for the all the all the clubs that were in for him at the price. I I you know not a not a bad player, but I mean, it just seems crazy. The the Premier League money right now is just dumb, isn't it? It is, and uh, it's funny because I was talking to a friend of mine um, who's actually a Liverpool fan before before we came on here tonight. Um, and he's obviously talking about the you know Chelsea and and what they're doing, how much money they're spending. But one of the running theories on this is. There's a wide belief that in the next five years, the top Premier League clubs, the top four, six, however many Premier League clubs, are going to be worth somewhere around $10 billion. Wow. Um, Todd Bowley, whatever his company is, paid $4.25 billion for Chelsea. So even if he spends 2 or $3 billion over the next five years to remain part of that upper echelon, he's still winning. And I yep. think that's the point that a lot of people are missing when they're looking at this money. We've, we're, we're used to so many, you know how much I hate net spend, right? I think net spend is the fakest number that's out there. It's just not, it's just random numbers. It's just, it, it's completely, it doesn't tell you anything. And I think as fans, we tend to look at these transfers and we say, well, you know, you've spent a hundred million on him and you, you wouldn't be able to sell him for that. And you wouldn't be able to do that. But the way these guys are looking at it, is that it's propelling the club forward. It's keeping them in the position. And if you've got to stay part of that top four or top six to be worth £10 billion in five years' time, it's well worth you spending that billion or two to get there. I think a lot of, especially American owners, they don't look at it as a weekly, monthly, or yearly thing. It's how much you accrue. And you see this with NFL franchises and stuff all the time. Like we saw the Dodgers be bought for an insane amount in MLB. Um and at the time you're going, oh my God, you pay $2 billion for that. And, and you know, baseball doesn't make a ton of money, but look at what is, what they accrue, what they're worth. You know, a lot of these teams operate at a net loss, but the the the, the money that, that gathers in the valuation is where it really is. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, 
and, and you just know, I mean, th th this doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't feel like a bubble or anything. I mean, this is just going to keep increasing in value. TV deals are going to keep going up. Transfer fees are going to keep going up. Uh, I get what he's doing. I do. I just, um, you know, their, their targets still seem a little scattergun to me. They seem like they keep buying players in a lot of the same, uh, the same positions collecting a lot of wingers now their central midfield still is looking a little shaky but I, I i get the money they're spending i mean what did he have a uh 1.2 billion or something like that he had to commit to spend in the first five years and then they got the 1.5 billion debt forgiven by uh, roman so i mean they're they're in a pretty good situation i i can't blame them for throwing money if they have it you know yeah i mean the only the only thing is it's the you know, it's the the old FFP thing, which is is quite laughable, really. And this, you know, the way the only question mark I would have is the way they're structuring these deals, the amortization to avoid FFP with these seven and a half and eight and a half year deals. It, it kind of strikes me as he's come in and he thinks he's the smartest man in the room, because yeah. there's a reason clubs don't do this. Do you know what I mean? Like any club could offer someone an eight and a half year contract. It's not rocket science it's not something that's no one's thought of before but there's a reason they don't do it and the reason is this if mudrick let's let's take mudrick he signed an eight and a half year deal right? right let's say in two years time he becomes the new Messi. he's not playing out the last six years of that deal on whatever it is there's going to be agents banging down the door he's going to want to renegotiate that's how this works and if he's terrible in 2026, you can't cut him. You can't just take a $20 million cap hit and walk away. That's yeah. that's not how this works. And and I am interested to see how this plays out in the in the long term because even spreading all this over time, it makes sense right now, but it does hamstring you down the line. And we see yeah. this in American sports all the time with salary caps when they spread it further down the line. And eventually you have to pay the piper, right? And the, the, like the again to bring it back to the NFL, the LA Rams are in this situation right now where they they won their Super Bowl, but they they gave up the farm to mm -hmm. do it, and now they're in a situation where they're kind of screwed. Um, and and they've got to be Chelsea have got to be careful that they don't get themselves. I mean, I hope they're not careful, and I hope they do get themselves into that situation. <laughs> yes, but it's but you know you miss the Champions League a couple of years, and it. It's going to become easier because it expands, I believe, at the end of next season. And I think we're going to have five teams in it at that point. So it becomes a little bit easier to qualify for. But you miss it a couple of times. And all of a sudden, we've seen this with Leeds. It can take a real effect on the club. Yeah, it is interesting. I, I have to uh, I have to agree. I, I'm interested to see how it plays out as well. Um but yeah, you know, I mean, they have a couple flops and they're going to be in a, they're going to be in some trouble. You know, I mean, Mudrick's probably the the best example. Um, they're not going to be able to move him on. Um, no, and they've yeah. got their Benoit Badia-Shile. He was a seven and a half year deal. And, mm -hmm. and they're, you know, I'm, I'm sure some of the other ones have been on long-term, uh, on long-term deals. And the effects this Enzo Fernandez goes through, that's going to, that's going to be another eight year deal. You can guarantee that because they're paying 120 million for him. Yep. And like you said, we've been in this situation. We've been here before. We were there with Aubameyang. We were there with with Ozil. We were there even with with lesser contracts like Mustafi and and Kalasinac. Yep. You can't move these players. And and when you get when you get stuck like that, it, it inhibits everything you do as a as a football club. And 
what you then have to do is you have to hope some the owner and someone like Edu are happy to get rid of those players so you can move on. I mean, we had to clear an awful lot off of the wage bill to be yeah. able to get to where we are. You know, we, we took barbs on Obama Yang. We had to pay out Ozil. We had to pay Kalasnach out. We had to pay Mustafi out. Um, even the players that we did manage to get sent out on loan, like Surprise and uh, who I can't remember, right. who sent out on loan. But we were paying parts of their wages yeah. just, to, just to get them away. So it's, you know, it's, I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. So I, I do understand the investment. And I think from that point of view, you know, you you have, it is more important than ever to remain at the top end of the, the Premier League because these, the money is astronomical um, and the valuations just keep going up and up every time there's a new, you know, Liverpool will probably be sold soon and that will set a new record. They'll go for more than than Chelsea did. And yeah. if Manchester United gets sold, they'll go for more than Liverpool did. And, you know, it will just, it's just going to carry on with, with these clubs. So I, I get the spending to stay at the top, but it, it does strike me as a little bit like he thinks he's smarter than everybody else. And I mean, I'd, I'd love to see it blow up in his face. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got off on a little bit of a tangent there. You have any, any final thoughts on the city game and we can, uh, you know, move on to something else or, no, we can move on from the city game. I don't think there's really anything anything more to to discuss there. Um, I think we've we've pretty much pretty much done that. So um, back to the Everton game because that's where we kind of were before Anthony Gordon sent us off on a on a spiral. Yeah. Um, Sorry about that. <laughs> no, but I, I I don't fear going there. We've we've over the years we've actually had a really good record at Goodison um, until the last couple of years we've had a couple of bad beatings there, but. Generally, we've had a pretty good record. Last year was last year was the one when Eddie missed the missed the chance and Godfrey stamped on Tommy Asu's face and didn't get the didn't get the red card and that was a real bad night. And we we've spent a lot of this season settling scores from last year and making no bones about settling scores from last year. You know, they all said that they were when they went to Whitehall Lane, they wanted to put that right. Even United from within the season. There were Saka said that they wanted to put that right, and do you think there's there's a bit of that there for this Everton game too? Maybe um, I'm not sure. You know, obviously Spurs and United are are, are kind of you know his historic rivals. I definitely think uh, it's something that uh, you'd feel and remember longer. But you know, there there could be some weight on that Everton game um, just because yeah, I, I just, I do I just feel, feel like, like this side. I feel like we're we're taking names do you know mm -hmm. what I mean I, I feel like there's um there's a lot of name taking going on and when when stuff happens we do go for a, a little bit of payback and I, I think that's part of the the amount of stick that we've taken I think it's part of being a young hungry team um but I, I definitely feel there's going to be a little bit of needle there from our point of view on Saturday morning just because I think they're going to want to put right the wrongs of last season it's a good point I mean I, I hope so I hope so. I, I I'd love to put him to the sword, you know, honestly. Yeah, um, and hopefully part part is fit. Um, you know, it seems like the scam went went well, and hopefully he'll be on the team sheet. And and like I said earlier, I I do I think it will be back to the first the first eleven. Um, you think Trossard's going to play? Uh, he'll play. I imagine we'll go back to the, you know, our our kind of nailed on starting eleven when they're fit. Um. I personally, I wouldn't mind seeing Trostard step in for Martinelli for a couple games. He's looked a little knackered to me. Um, I thought he looked bright when he when he come on though um, on Friday night, Martinelli. I thought he, he he scared him a little bit. 
when he when he come on um, driving to the byline and taking on Walker. So I, I think he, um, you know, we're not playing an awful lot at the minute. I yeah. I don't buy the tired narrative the way a lot of other people do anyway. Um, I I don't think that twenty four year old fit healthy people get tired from playing a ninety minute game of football once every four days um, I think it's a I think it's a fallacy I think mentally it can be draining because they're playing top level sport and that's mentally challenging um but I I you know physically I, I don't see that I I agree with you though I think it's going to be back to the first 11 um I think Martinelli will start and I think we will see Trossard at, at some point and I'm you know he, he looks like he's going to be a good signing I think we're, we're all excited to excited to see him play um one thing that I have noticed with Jesus being out, and it's something that we spoke about at the time, and it was one of my fears. You know, you're saying Martinelli looks tired, and I think I don't think he looks tired. I think he's missing his wingman. Um, him and Jesus were very, very tight on the field. They were close to each other. They played a lot of one-twos. Um, Jesus liked to move out to the left-hand side and allow Martinelli to come inside, which Eddie doesn't like doing. And I think that's a part of it. I think they're still, I think Eddie and, and Martinelli are still trying to find out how to play together. And I think Martinelli is staying a lot wider. I mean, we we spoke about this, we've spoken about this before with Martinelli, the, how much more he was drifting inside. And that stopped since then. You, you think they, they've basically got to just try and figure out how to play with each other because that's how it seems. Yeah, I mean that that's definitely a good point. Um and uh and Kedia definitely seems to go more to the right to Saka's side and and Jesus was kind of the opposite. Um I definitely think that that's playing a part. You've also got, you know, Zinchenko who who comes inside more and and kind of, you know, necessitates Martinelli staying a little bit more out wide as well. Um Yeah, because so, yeah, I think that's for a while and um, we had Tommy Asu playing in at left back. Yeah. Um which again, he's a different type of player to, to, I mean, everyone's a different type of player to Zinchenko, but he's definitely a different type of fullback to Zinchenko. So that is true as well. We're kind of, that left-hand side is kind of almost a work in progress, whereas the right-hand side with, you know, with Ben White, with Saka and with Odegaard, that yep. triangle is so settled over there. Yep. So yeah, I think, I think there's a little bit to work on, to work on there for sure. Um, are you worried about about the uh, about what's being put on Eddie? Because I mean, I know Jesus is saying he wants to come back soon, and you know we're here in March, we're here in we're here in April. Are you worried that there's too much being put on on Ketia right now? No, I don't. I don't. I think um, you know we we've seen you know at the end of last year and and then this season so far, uh, you know kids kids grasping his chance with both hands. Uh, yeah. And even though, you know, I would say Jesus is is overall the better player, it's great that they offer us different things. You know, um, Eddie is obviously, a, 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 you know, more prolific in front of goal, uh, but he still presses well, um, you know, maybe not as uh, intense as Jesus, but um, I don't think there's too much pressure being put on him at all. I, I think he's uh, he's relishing in this and, you know, he, he's proven now that with the run of games, he can be a a, a really effective Premier League striker. Yeah, he's taking his chance there for sure. Um, it's just uh, you know we've we've got to go there and win. Really, we're we're at the point yeah. where where draws in games like that. We've got we've got a good run coming up of games. I think it's uh, Villa after Everton, um, and then and then the Man City game. So there, you know, you're kind of at the minute trying. Brentford. 
Brentford. It's Brentford. Yeah. yeah. And he's Villa after that. I think, I'm sure we got Villa. Uh, Villa's after City on okay. the 18th. Yep. yep. Okay. Yeah. So you're kind of looking at I me mean, little little blocks of of three, and you know, you, you, like I said before, you're, you're kind of ticking off the games. You know, there's a certain amount of points. I think that not that I look at the table every ten minutes or anything, but I think City <laughs> can get to a maximum of ninety nine points now. So mm-hmm. every time they drop points, um, that's one less win with. We've got to get in uh, in my mind, you know, that's kind of how I'm looking at it now, breaking it down into them. So are you, you confident of coming away from, from Goodison with something? I am. Yeah, I am. I think, um, you know, we, we've touched on this a little bit before, but uh, unlike, you know, the last, I mean, I, you know, several seasons, I feel confident going into every game, whether it's even Liverpool or, or, or city. And I think we just proved it with that FA cup tie, you know, as well. It, it gave me confidence, you know, not just the team that, you know, even with a rotated side going away, we can stack up against one of the best teams in Europe. So yeah, I, I, I hope, uh, I hope we put several past Everton. Yeah. And I think we can do it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do too. It's going to be uh, an early one for us, East Coast time, 7.30 a.m. So, uh, yeah, I'll be uh, looking forward to to getting up and watching that. All right, should we um, leave the first half there? Um, we'll come back to the second half with uh, some transfer stuff and just some other, other stuff about the club. Uh, uh, let me let me hit on one thing real quick, because we were just talking about Jesus and, and Kedi. I know we... we, we, we cutting it a little close on time. So, uh, just your your quick thoughts on, uh, on, on uh, Balogun here. Do you think there is um, there's room for him to come back? I mean, three strikers, right? This is kind of what I was thinking about it, though. It'd kind of be unfair on Balogun to come back from that, you know, his loan, which he's he's doing great at at, at Reem. Um, I think he's only behind uh, Mbappe and Neymar for goals in Liga. Um, he is the second top scorer in the whole of Europe. Or in the, it might be in the top five European leagues under the age of twenty one. This yep. he's got eleven. Someone's got twelve. I don't know who it is that's got twelve. It might be Mbappe. Um, he's playing though. I mean, he he's playing up top by himself. There's no strike partner. He's taken their penalties. I mean, the the, the kid is having. You know, this may be one of the best loans I've seen. Um, yeah, I mean, at some at some point, we have to start bringing some money in, as well as the money going out. We all know that. Um, I do wonder if, like you said, there isn't room for both Enketia and Balogun. And I do wonder in the summer, look, goals are the biggest commodity in football, right? You pay more money for strikers than anybody else. Strikers who can put the ball in the net. Well, we've got two backups that both put the ball in the net regularly. Mm -hmm. So I do wonder if the bids come in if one of them will go. And I, I don't know that. I, you know, I haven't heard anything, but I do wonder if the bids come in, be it for Enketia or Balogun, if one of them will be able to. Because it's also, you're right, Balogun, he's playing every week, he's scoring goals. He's not going to want to come back and sit on the bench every week. Right. But by the same token, Enketia has now come in and proven himself as a Premier League player. I, I, I yeah. Personally, I think he's a, a level or two below Jesus, and that is not any disrespect to Eddie whatsoever, because I think he's a fantastic player. And I think he'd score more goals than, than Jesus. I do um, too. Yep. But technically he's, he's, you know, I, I think he's a, a little bit lesser. Um, so, I, and he, but he's not going to want to go back to sitting on the bench every week, either and playing 20 minutes here or there and in the league cup. So I, I do wonder if, 
if with the way Eddie's playing, if at the end of the year, one of these clubs who desperately need a striker, if they come and throw 50 million quid at us, it's going to be very hard to say no to that. And obviously Eddie's on a much bigger wage than Balogun. So yeah. is it maybe Eddie that moves on and Balogun comes in and takes Eddie's place in the squad? I mean, this is, we've spoken about this before, but this is what happens when you've got a good team, right? Yeah. You're going to lose some players that are good players that you, you probably don't want to lose. That's just life. That's that's how it is. And and I do, I, I agree with you there. I, I think it's going to be very tough for both of them to coexist in a squad with Jesus being the number one. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, one thing I, I did think about, though, is, you know, uh, I know he's come here to play striker, but, you know, when he was at City, he liked playing on the wing. He's very good coming in from the right. And but that doesn't make any sense with signing Trossard, though. Because right now we've got three players that play that position. I yeah. don't see why we would add a fourth. And and I just want to say this real quick. Um, Arteta likes players who are versatile that can play in more than one position, but mm-hmm. he doesn't want to play them in more than one position. I think he <laughs> likes the IQ of players who can fill in different play- positions on the pitch. Uh-huh. We're never going to see Martinelli play up front. It's not going to happen. He doesn't want to play him up front. We're never going to see Zinchenko in midfield. He doesn't want to play him there. He yeah. likes that they can do it. He likes the IQ of being able to learn these different positions. But, you know, it's been said before, he wants two players for every position. You don't mm-hmm. need two players for every position if you're going to play one player in four of them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I guess the the, the uh, I would say your point in if we get a big offer for one of them, they'll probably go. One thing I will say uh, about Balogun, though, that I like is that uh, Enkedia and Jesus seem very similar profile, right? You know, we, we've already talked a little bit about the differences, but I do like that Balogun is, is a little different. He's a little taller. Um, yeah, and he, you know, he looks a good player, but he's only done it in Liga and he's done it for half a season. And, and, and maybe they'll loan him out again. Maybe it'll be one more year on loan. But his contract's up in 2025, and I do, I yeah, I just, I just think that at some point we're going to have to get some money back, and those two seem like saleable assets, and it wouldn't surprise me if one of them moved on in the summer. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Yep. Okay, well, let's leave part one there, um, and we'll be back with part two right after this. <laughs> Welcome back to the Non-Negotiable Podcast. Um, this is part two. And we'll start by touching on transfers. Obviously, it's, it's deadline day. Um, tomorrow, as we're recording this today, as you're probably listening, um, the injury to Mohamed Elneny has changed a lot. Um, we said on the last podcast that we didn't see us moving for Caicedo or any central midfielder, really. Um, and then we started to get the whispers that Elneny's injury might be a little bit longer term um now we're hearing that it, it could be a season ender which necessitates a midfield signing i think at, at this point it isn't something that we want to do i think it's something that we have to do um i say though he's proving very difficult let's start with him um first off is it the sort of signing that you want to see it is um i was a little on the fence especially for the money being touted. And I didn't really believe the initial rumors. It just kind of seemed like, you know, convenient media talk. Um, having kind of stepped back from the situation and looking at the bigger picture, though, I I do want him. Um, you know, he he's 21. He could be a long-term. Well, you know, just immediately, you know, uh, 
he could be the difference between the title or not this year. You know, I mean, it's that simple. We, we've seen our seasons derail completely go off the tracks when uh, if Partey, you know, goes down with a long-term injury. Um, now there's not even any El Nenny, which I'd even prefer, you know, a better deputy to party than El Nenny. But now we don't even have El Nenny. Zombie looks like a shell. Um, we, we, we've got to get this done. But I think even long-term, you know, I mean, he looks like he's got the capability to be a long-term Thomas successor. And he can fill in in the six and the eight. I think the signing overall makes a lot of sense. The price is a little scary, but, um, you know, if it's the difference between the title or not, you know, I mean, I, I think it's something we should we should try our best to get done. Yeah, I, I think he'd be a fantastic signing, to be quite honest with you. Um, I mean, he's a great player. He's the sort of profile that we that we really need. Um, he would, like you say, an, an injury to Partey, and we're, we're in trouble. Sambi, Sambi's out the door. Let's let's be fair. Sambi's checked out. Um, I think there's there's several different reasons for it. I mean, he's not playing when he clearly wants to. He missed out on the World Cup with Belgium, which he was very upset about. Um, I think he wants out. I think the club are ready to let him go. But right now, we just can't. There's, you know, we had the eight million bid from from Monaco last week, and I, quite honestly, I think had had Caicedo been almost done, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they'd have they'd have let him go, um, because simply we, you know, he's he's finished with us, um, and it's a shame because he is a good player. I know you, I, I like him, and I know you like him too. He's got flaws in his game, but I don't think it's anything that can't be coached out of him. But you have to play, and he's just he's simply not going to play. So I think it's it's fair to to cut and to cut and move on, basically yeah. at this point. And we we have to get someone in. We have to. Caicedo to me would be would be absolutely perfect. He fits the short term and the long term goals. He's Premier League ready. He can come straight in the same way that Trossard has, the same way that Ben White did. He can come in and play from from day one. Um, he's gonna he's gonna increase in value. I care about that less than what he's gonna contribute. Um, and I think he would contribute an awful lot to our second half of the season and and in the future. So I know okay. the money's big. I know it's eye-watering fees, but like we spoke about in the first part, there's a reason that that us and the other big clubs are willing to shell out these fees. Mm-hmm. And we have to remain and, and beyond this year too. I mean, we've obviously got a great shot at the title this year, but everybody else is strengthening. You, we've talked about what Chelsea are doing, but Man United spend 300 million every summer. So you know they're going out to do that again. City are going to have to rebuild. Like, they are going to rebuild. They have to. They've just let Cancelo go. They already sold a lot of players in the summer. They have to rebuild. So they're going to... We know Newcastle are coming. Man, if this is what it takes money-wise, then this is what it takes. This is the cost of being a big club in the Premier League. So I'm I'm not worried about the fee. It is a difficult deal to get over the line, though. Like, that's not a question. Tony Bloom... He's not the easiest guy to deal with. They've already sold Trossard. They took all that money for Cucurella earlier on in the season. They don't need to sell. They're sitting in six at the minute. They're hoping to make the Europa League. Um, One thing I will say is I don't think we would pay this fee in the summer. I think we're ready to pay it now because we are so desperate to get someone in. So I do think that if they allow this to drag on, this is their last chance to get this kind of money for him. But at the same time, I don't know they care. You know, if you think the difference between finishing sixth and ninth is probably eight million quid worth of prize money, so you've already made up that difference there. 
qualification for the Europa League, hey, it might not be a ton, but it's still 20-odd million a season. Yeah. So I can I can understand why they don't want to let him go, and they're obviously within their rights to do that. Um, do you think we're going to be able to get it done? And bear in mind, this is we are, we are recording this on on Monday night at seven o'clock. At which point, we've had two bids rejected. There's reports out there that we're not going back in. There's another report that we are going back in. Personally, I can't imagine that we won't go back in. Uh, but how are you? How are you feeling about it? Well, see, I think the thing that 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 has me the most concerned is that uh, Brighton's rejecting out of hand. I think the two bids that 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 we've submitted. Uh, they didn't even really think about it. They were pretty much just rejected outright. And what what did we have a 10 million pound increase for our second bid, including add-ons? Yeah, we went from 60 to 70. Yeah, I think uh, if... This is going to take a club record fee. Like, there's yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah. Club record fee 72. We are going to fly past that if we're, if we're going to get in. But, I, but we keep going back and... We've got, we had to have had encouragement from someone. Obviously, we're getting encouragement from the player. The player wants to move. The player's made it clear. But we have to be getting some sort of encouragement from Brighton in private to keep going back, regardless of what they're saying publicly. Yeah, We wouldn't keep going back if we weren't getting something. And I mean, it's just a case of, of hitting that sweet spot, I think. And I don't, I'm very 50-50 about whether we can get it done or not. But I definitely think tomorrow we're going to go, we're going to go back in and try I agree. Yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna go back in and try. And then something else too. I've not really seen this brought up very much. Um, and obviously, we're not gonna know, you know, the details uh, probably until after the deal is done or not done. But um, despite the high fee, you know, it's not like this is a player that's gonna, you know, demand two hundred k a week. No. You see the wages he's on at Brighton. I mean, you know, obviously he's gonna, you know, he stands to, you know. Uh, make a lot more money but i mean i imagine wages compared to fee are, are, are not going to be all that crazy either you know um, no exactly i mean i'm, I'm you know we so the ones compare it to right obviously because they're saying that it's not going to affect the Declan rice deal we're still going to go and try and get rice in the summer but we know that should we go and sign Declan rice for 100 million or whatever it is he's gonna be on two hundred thousand a week plus yeah. you know that's that's a given that's what he is i'm guessing casado would be half of that yeah. And that's a lot of money over the life of a five-year deal. You know, that's five million. That's five million a year. So, again, you know, clubs clubs look at this stuff, and Arsenal in particular look at it as transfer fee plus wages over the length of the contract. That's how they do it. Mm -hmm. So, although the fees are eye-watering for sure, you're right. Long term, there's like this would be a less expensive signing than Casemiro was for Manchester United even yeah. though they paid 60 million or whatever it was for him this would be a cheaper deal because of the because of the salary and the way it's being spread yeah. um i think he'd be a perfect fit for us he'd, he he obviously isn't coming in to start straight away but he would be competition and i agree with you he can cover two spots to me that would say let sambi go if we could get cut out and it's it's probably going to be too late but if we could have got him over the line we could have just let sambi go and then you've got Vieira and you've got Kaido to cover basically both both areas. Mm -hmm. um, so he, he can do both. Again, they're saying it doesn't affect the deal for Declan Rice in the summer. And it's interesting because I think they're two players that we don't really know what they are yet. Yeah. You know I mean, like we we know that they're both really good footballers, but Kaido 
he can go forward as well. He's not just a defensive player, and Rice is the same. So it would be interesting to see how they see those players. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, they're they're both still pretty young. I mean, I know Rice has been around for 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 a while now, but I mean, they're both still pretty young players. I mean, Caicedo is only, you know, 21. Uh, you know, there's still time to kind of, you know, mold him to be, you, you know, whatever it is we want in midfield. Uh, how do you see it lining up? I mean, I, I've always considered Rice to be more of a six, but do you think uh, his future would be in an eight? I've heard it mentioned. I've heard it mentioned a few times that with his power um, and the way he runs, that that he could be there. I, personally, I would see it more as Rice being the deeper player mm-hmm. and Casado being the one who eventually looked to challenge Xhaka. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was the if it was the other way around. I mean, I'm sure yeah. that they've I'm sure that they've got plans and they. They know what they what they want to do. They've you know all we've got access to is raw data. They've got scouts going out watching these people. They've got dossiers. They they know where they where they're most most comfortable because they know what they want out of certain positions on the pitch. Um, Rice being the older player, I just I always feel that that single pivot, especially, it tends to be something that comes with age. Um, yeah. And you know I think Rice being twenty four. Um, he's already got the responsibility of playing as the deepest midfielder for England. Um, he's played it for West Ham, although in the last couple of seasons they've actually pushed pushed Rice further up. He actually plays further forward now than that. Um, so I've always thought that that would be the Rice position. But if we do get both of them, I think it's a it's a great chance to really decide which one which one you want want where. Um, I, I am really hoping we can get this Casado deal across the line. Uh, I was. You know, like you, the fee, the fee is a bit scary, but I, I think, I just think it's a deal that if we can do it, we have to do it. Yeah, and I mean the flexibility it gives us in midfield too is 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 going to be really nice. I mean, we could even, um, you know, push Party further up into the Jaka role too. I think he would do really well there. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, honestly, I don't see that happening. I think he's too good at the role, the role that he plays. I mean, yeah. I, again, I, I think we're we're signing a player. For this season, as as cover, obviously, but but really, he's he's one that's going to come to the fore in in seasons to come. Like I, I think whoever we sign, <laughs> we're signing a player for that much money and hoping we never have to play him. For for this season, I mean, not not in terms yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. But you yeah, know, we're, we're signing a player that, that that if all goes well, will not play much um, because we've got the eleven that we that we want out there, and I think players are going to be brought into challenge, but they're they're coming into challenge over a longer period of time not mm-hmm. the immediate future. It's a it's you know it's an in case of emergency break glass that he's there right now. Um and maybe you're looking at the you know the Europa League for the next couple of rounds if we hopefully get some favorable draws and, and maybe move on with that. But I don't think it's a player we're looking to come in and start. And it is an awful lot of money for someone to sit on your bench. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but it's 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 definitely um uh well I was going to say it's more of a long-term signing. No, I agree. I think yeah. I think it is a long-term signing. I think we, you know, there's there's two ways to there's two ways to look at this. We need someone. We need cover between now and May, which is only four months, right? It, it's not a, it's not an awful long time. But what you really want to be able to do is combine that with the long-term ambition of someone to challenge party and someone to challenge Shaka, because, like we said last week, they're 29 and 30 years old. They're yep. going to age out. 
and you don't want to be scrambling around at the last minute trying to replace them if you can phase them phase them out and this would be a perfect signing i i think for for that yeah i have to agree and and you know yeah looking at the squad you know um first 11 and even you know the the First, you know, three or four subs that would come in, you know, Vieira, Smithrow, Tomiyasu, and Tierney, you know, it, it's really only those two positions, six and eight, Jaka and Party, that are, you know, it, uh, about to be post-prime, you know, everybody else is early to mid-20s, yeah. and uh, so and it's definitely got, something. And we've got no cover at all there, really. If you if you exclude Sambi, and I, I think at this point you have to exclude Sambi, if you exclude Sambi, we've got literally no cover there at all. Like I said this this El Nenny injury, and no matter what you think of El Nenny, El Nenny would have played on Friday night. I'm a hundred percent convinced of that. If El Nenny had been fit, El Nenny would have played on Friday night, which takes some of the pressure off of Partey having to play every game. Um, and El Nenny is trusted to play that role with him out for the rest of the season. And it, it look, I mean, I'm I'm guessing at that, but it does look that way. Yeah. Um, we we have to get we've got literally no cover there at all um so something has to give which brings us on to a rumor that uh nobody wants to talk about uh, <laughs> I, I certainly don't want to see happen i didn't want to see it happen three years ago when we were linked with Jorginho. um i definitely don't want to see it now um and what started off this afternoon as a, as a little rumour about a possible loan deal seems to have morphed into £20 million and a, a three-and-a-half-year deal for a 31-year-old player that I didn't like when he was 28. Um, how are you feeling about, about this one? Mate, I don't want to be, uh, you know, do a hyperbole here, but I, I honestly, I would almost rather bring no one in than bring Jorginho in. <laughs> Like it, it's, it's that bad. I mean, just because what you said, I mean, he's, I don't think he makes us better. I don't think he can play the party role like party does like a lone six. And, you know, at his age, you know, he's going to want pretty big wages. It'll be his last contract, his last real contract. Um, I think it'll, it'll hamstring us more than it helps us for the remainder of the season. Um, I don't want this signing at all. I, I I agree. I wouldn't have minded alone. I wouldn't have minded alone, um, even if we covered all those wages. Um, but you know, to to give him two two and a half year deal at twenty million, whatever he's being mooted for him to not even be able to, you know, like I think El Nenny fills in better for party than Jorginho would. I do. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't like this move at all. I, I hope it's not true. I hope it's us pushing putting pressure on Brighton whatever but i i don't want it to happen no and it's it's i i'm i'm with you if it was i could swallow it if it was a loan deal until the end of the season right mm -hmm. you cover i don't know what he's on he's probably on 200 grand a week there at least but i could swallow that again like we were saying before it's a in case of emergency break glass right so you're you're getting him in and hoping that he never plays and i could swallow that for the rest of the season no. i just feel like if it's a long term deal two years three years however long it is we've been here before this is a player slowing down he wasn't quick to begin with but but he's he's slowing down he lives in london it's a nice life in london he's got a nice house in london so why not take another couple of years we have been here before and i do not want to go back here i really don't i honestly 
I I wouldn't be I wouldn't like it on loan, but I could understand it for a two or three year deal. I think this would be absolute insanity. Yeah. From Edu and Arteta over the last year and a half, two years, have built up enormous goodwill and an enormous amount of trust to the point where for most of these signings that we've talked about, we've sat here and said, well, if that's what they want, then I'm going to trust them. Because why wouldn't I? Because I, I wasn't particularly against Ramsdale, but I know a lot of people were against the Ramsdale signing and he's proved all of them wrong. Um, I wasn't keen on the Ben White signing. He's proved me wrong. So they've built up a lot of that trust. I think this erodes a lot of it in one foul swoop because it's you're bringing back memories of Petrček, of William, um, you know, and, and really at this point, Louise. yeah, Louise. Although I don't think Louise was actually a bad signing for us, but that's that's besides the point. But you are bringing back all these all these memories of this, and and at this point, what you're really doing is you're helping Chelsea out. Yep. Because Chelsea have got 59 players and they can't register them all and they've got all this money on their wage bill. Let them suffer. Yep. They, they've made this choice. Let them suffer. I, I would not... I wouldn't be buying anyone from Chelsea. I, I really I really wouldn't. I don't think they've got anyone that gets in that team for a start. But beyond that, they've made this bed lie in it. I, I, I would leave them with all those players. Um, yeah, this is one that I'm, I'm hoping... Like you, I'm hoping that it's, it's it's appeared out there to try and push Brighton into into making a decision that we like, um, because I, I just I can't get my head around why they would do this. I, I really I really can't. I don't see the benefits. I agree with you. I don't think he can play that role that Partey does. I don't think he'd look much different to Lakonga in that role. Actually, um, he might be a little bit more positionally aware, but he hasn't got any athleticism. Yep. Um, and I don't want to see him taking them stupid penalties for us either. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> so, I mean, give me a heart attack watching that stupid hop, skip, jump. But yeah, it's something that I that I really, really don't want to see happen. And I'm I'm hoping it's I'm hoping it's information that's being fed out there to make something else happen. Um, I, I'm I'm also reading that there's other clubs interested in Jorginho. So I mean, Jesus, maybe we'll get in a bidding war and get up to fifty million for him. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Um, but yeah, hopefully he goes somewhere else because um, I just I just don't want him. But something that um, that's that's just come up on on Twitter, and I mean in the last kind of fifteen minutes while we've been recording, really, um, a lot of people all day have been saying, "Well, why am the Tillemans? Why aren't we looking at, at Tillemans?" Um, I am not the biggest Tillemans fan. I don't think he's a bad player by any means. Um, I wouldn't be spending fifty and sixty million on him. But that's not what we're talking about now because he's coming to the end of his deal. I just saw uh, a couple of mentions from journalists that we are considering going back in and there are the chances that 15 million might get it done. Um, now, that is a deal if we can't get Caicedo over the line that I would do because I think that's a no-lose because I think you can turn around and shift him in 18 months' time if you need to. Um, with that sort of money, he is young, and again, he's another one that could easily prove me wrong. The way that the way that Ben White did. Uh, how do you see that one? I know you're actually a big Tillemans fan, so um, I, I like that a lot for the price, and I think uh, what that would allow us to do uh, quite well. Um, I know you know some listeners may not love this, but I think that would allow us to move Jaka back into the six and having. Tielemans next to him and Zinchenko coming into midfield would actually make us 
pretty competent there. Um, honestly, I think you, you say you say a lot of people won't like it. I honestly think that that would that is the solution that ninety percent of Arsenal fans would agree with. Um, you know, we don't want Shaka back in the six if we've got a choice about it. But after Partey, he's the member of this squad that's the most capable of playing it. And like yeah. you said, we've got Zinchenko now. And that makes a big difference because, and, and Ben White as well, because now you're not, it is a single pivot, but it's not a single pivot because both of those fullbacks get in there and help out. And we're also, the way we move the ball now is also different. We are not giving the ball so much to people with their back to go on the edge of the area. We're progressing out and we're moving it and people are getting their bodies in position where they're going sideways and they're taking the ball on the move. And that's going to make a big difference because Xhaka's biggest problem back there, Xhaka's passing is fantastic. His biggest problem back there was always getting the ball and having to turn. Yep. We can eliminate a lot of that by giving him the ball where he doesn't need to turn. And that takes that away. So I, I agree with you. I think it is absolutely the answer. If Partey was to go down... The answer 100% is to move Jacker back in. I'm not saying Arteta would do it, but to me, 100% that is the answer. And I think most Arsenal fans would actually agree with that. Hmm. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe you're right there. I, I think, you know, just a lot of people have, you know, bad memories. <laughs> scar tissue. Uh, yeah, scar, scar tissue, tissue right? Like, like, like that's what it is. We've, we've been here before, we've seen it, but I just, I just think the surrounding cast is so different now that the yeah. movie would be completely different. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not, this isn't 2020 anymore. We've we've just got different people around him that do different things. First off, I think we've got centre-backs that progress the ball a lot better than we've had before. We've got yeah. a goalkeeper that progresses the ball a lot more. So there's a lot less reason for him to be trotting back towards his own goal at half speed, picking the ball up in this little circle outside the penalty area, and then trying to turn and beat two players. He doesn't have to do that now. You, you wouldn't need to do that. I mean, Partey does that sometimes. He does it because he wants to. He doesn't yeah. have to do that now. We also, an overlooked part of our game, is that we also go long quite a lot. We're mm -hmm. not afraid to mix it up. Ramsdale will go long a lot. And that would take some of the pressure off too. We don't have to give him the ball there every single time. We can go longer to Saka or to, to Martinelli. And I don't mean just lump it up there like Wimbledon, but Ramsdale <laughs> passes the ball long. Yeah, Gabriel passes the ball long. Saliba will pass the ball long. So not everything has to go into him in that area, where you know we're looking at him turning and we're going, "Oh my god, he looks like the QE two or a Carnival Cruise Line trying to turn there on the edge of the box." You know, we we don't have to do that now. And you've you've already seen the way Saka in particular is adjusted, right? In the way he gets the ball, he was getting kicked the hell out of. So what do we do? Rather than him getting the ball on the touchline with his back to goal facing the fullback. We're now passing him the ball with him coming inside. There was a really good video um, I saw last week which illustrated the difference of how he's he's actually receiving the ball now. Uh -huh. And he's taking a lot less punishment because he's 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 moving, he's accepting the ball on the run, moving across field or towards goal, rather than with his back to a defender who's just kicking at his ankles. And yeah. I think you could, you know, you could do the same thing with Shaka. Um if the Tillemans thing did come off, um you would see him, I'm assuming you would see him as a, as a competitor for, for Shaka at that left eight. I would. Yeah. I think that's, um, that's going to be his, his most natural position. And uh, I'd be a pretty big fan of him there, to be honest. Um, but, you know, in the summer, last summer, you know, I, I was all for it and I, I wanted him and, and, you know, just, just my opinion, I, I think he basically stepped 
right into that starting lineup. But now, you know, I mean, Jacques has impressed me, impressed me so much this season. I'm not sure that'd be the case anymore. But if Jacques has to go into that sixth position, I really like Tielemans there. And I think he'd do a much better job there than, say, uh, Vieira or Smith Rowe uh, next to Odegaard. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I do. I do. Um, and it also, it also, it doesn't preclude you from improving on it again in the future. Like we said, Granite's 30 now. At some point, he's going to want to move on. Um, he's probably going to want to go back to Basel at some point. I think by what I've seen from his tweets, he seems very upset at what's going on at, yeah. at Basel at the minute. Yeah. So, you know, if you if you do that, it kind of kicks the can a little bit down the road on what you've got to do there. And like we said, if you want a marquee sign in the summer, you can then do that without having to worry about it. Because we need two midfielders. We don't yeah. need one. We need two. Yeah. So if we do one now and one in the summer, whichever way around you do it, we've, you know, it, it has to be done. So I do, even though I'm not as over-enamoured with Tielemans as a lot of other people, because I think there is a lot more weaknesses to his game that I see, I, I do think there's potential there. And I do wonder if in a better team with better players, with better coaches, how much he could really, really come on. Because there have been flashes there. I mean, you know, he's goal in the cup final for one. There's yeah. definitely there's definitely ability there. There's there's no doubt about it. I worry more about his his power and his 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 tracking back, but I mean, at the end of the day, Jack is not the not the greatest at tracking back. He he loses his man quite a little, quite a lot too. Um, yeah. So it's you know, I, I guess you're not losing that much there. Um, is there anyone else you can you can think of that that I mean, I know at this point it's pure conjecture um, because they are the the three that we've really seen linked. Uh, the Casado, we know he's definitely for real. Uh, Jorginho, we don't know what that is yet. Tielemans, we know there was interest. So it makes sense that there would still be interest. Is there anyone else you can you can think of out there at this late stage? Well, um, uh, just kind of uh, you know looking, we go, you know we had some links to him and it doesn't look like it's, it's going to work out. But uh, if for some reason we can't get Caicedo off over the line, you know tomorrow on deadline day, I really like the look of uh, uh, of Zuba Mendy that we were linked to. That's uh, that player. Yeah. <laughs> And I, um, you know, if we do have to, uh, you know, move Xhaka back to the six and, and just, you know, make it through, I wouldn't mind us going back in for him in the summer. He looks like a, a really nice player, kind of a, um, a Busquets regen almost. So I think that's an interesting one. And he's got, you know, a, a lot in common with, um, with, with Arteta being, you know, from us, from a similar area. And, and I, yeah, it came up through Sociedad too, so yep. it, it, it does it does make a lot of sense. And it is one that, like you said, it would be one for the summer. Um, from what I understand, he's already made it clear that he won't be leaving Sociedad during the January window. Um, and that's something that comes into play too. I mean, you know, you've got obviously clubs are, clubs are reluctant to let players go, but I, I do think as well you've got players reluctant to move. Like, I, I don't think right now, that Declan Rice would be interested in leaving West Ham, even if West Ham would sell him. Because there's a sense of responsibility there. He's their best player. He's their captain. Yep. They're in a relegation fight. I don't think he's going to leave them right now. And I know it's not it's not even being talked about as an issue, but you've got the same thing with Sociedad, where they're going well. They're trying to build something for this season. And, and apparently, you know, we, there's a release, cl release clause that we can meet. You know, yep. it's similar to Partey's release clause. We can go and activate that. Mm -hmm. And... Quite honestly, I think if we'd have had the right encouragement from the player, we probably would have already gone and done it. I agree. Um, 
but he he wants to stay there until the summer. So, but yeah, that is one. And Barcelona have looked at him as well. Um, they they obviously feel like he's they obviously feel like he's the success. He could be a successor for Busquets. So maybe if someone wants to buy the rights to some of their floodlights, or <laughs> maybe maybe start a GoFundMe, they could maybe yeah. buy him. Yeah, probably about time to uh, test their resolve on uh, on uh, De Jong, huh? That's um... as long as it's as, look, as long as it's not Rafinha, I'm all in. <laughs> or, or Bellerin. Well, yeah, it looks like um, looks like he may be going to uh, Sporting to replace uh, Poro. Yeah, Poro. Yeah, because that's that's back on. That's yep, that's back on. Yeah, because we we've got uh, we've got a little sell-on clause there, but I I heard it was going to be a loan, but we'll we'll see. Yeah, that's a little unfortunate that we're we're kind of uh, letting Spurs benefit there, but you know, is what it is. Yeah, I, I mean, and let's be fair, I don't know that much about Pedro Porro. He's a he's a Spanish right back playing in Portugal, but this ain't a Spurs podcast, so who cares? <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, he's terrible. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, it's going to be an interesting day tomorrow. Um, the you know deadline days, deadline days are always always kind of fun, and for years they were fun without us. <laughs> we, yep. uh, you know, we didn't have much game. We had we had obviously Andre Shavin in the snow, which was yep. a fun one. But other than that, there were most deadlines came and went with uh without us doing anything. So but it's it's gonna be a busy one, I think, tomorrow because I I do think something is gonna get done. I, I don't know what, but I think something's gonna get done because I think they know that there's no way they can't. Do you know? I, I don't think you can come away with with nothing. I personally I hope it's not Jorginho. Um but i at this point with the situation that we're in, I think Arteta would rather Jorginho than no one. Whereas we would maybe no one other than Jorginho. Well, I think they'll they're gonna look at um what happened last January as well. Now, obviously, they tried. You know, we we had a uh you know it was it was Vlavic for you know the first twenty or so days of January, and and you know they decided that uh you know if they can't get him, you know they're not gonna go with anybody. And obviously, we missed out by you know on top four by what was it was it just a point at the end of the season? I think it was maybe two. Um. So I think they're going to look at that and be be wary. Um, yeah, I think this is this is we're at we're at a completely different stage now than we were. Then. I mean, it was there was interesting quotes from Edu after we bought uh, or was it Arteta actually after we bought Trossard when he said that this is a signing that the squad can now absorb, and that's interesting because the age profile of the squad has obviously completely changed. And 28, 28 isn't ancient. We we could get four good years out out of Trossard, but it yeah. was interesting that those were the words that he that he chose to use, that the squad could now absorb it. Um, I would question that if he tried to use the same line with Jorginho, because then you've, you know, you're just signing someone. There's no doubt that it would be a panic buy. It would be a, a famous Arsene Wenger trolley dash signing. But but he will want somebody in because he, he has to. You know, he, he knows he has to get someone in. Yeah, I agree. I, I think something will happen. Um, you know, fingers crossed it's it's not it's not Jorginho, but you know, um I, I mean I, I don't know about you. I'll be I'll be doing a lot of F5ing tomorrow though, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, the, the deadline's eleven PM UK time um uh, mm-hmm. tomorrow. So it's it's gonna, you know, it runs late. Um I personally I, I would be surprised if it was anyone outside of Caicedo, Jorginho, and possibly Tielemans at this stage. I would be surprised if we if there was someone else because I think we would have heard about it by now because I don't think it is intentional 
to leave this until the last minute. You know, I think if they they obviously would have liked to have got Caicedo done last week, um, it, it wasn't possible and, and it is what it is. And they're, they're going to be doing more than one thing. You know, I've heard people say, well, we'll move on to the next target. Well, you don't have to. You can carry on working on one while you work on the other one. And then, you you know, you go with the one that, the one that suits you best if you can get it over the line. Um, so you don't have to just move on. Um, you can you can work on two things at once, but I I would be surprised at this point if it wasn't one of the three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it, unless it was you know something something crazy from the past, like maybe going back in and in an emergency for Douglas Louise or something. Yeah, I, I I agree. I just there's not enough time, and in, in in this the you know the the recruitment team is has been pretty serious about only going for you know their their targets. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm hoping to be pleasantly surprised, and and we we get Caicedo done. Um, yeah, I mean, even the only way that the only way I can see something coming a little bit out of left field is if there was a last minute loan to be done. Yeah. Um And 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 that's the only and you know, and a loan deal would would really probably suit us. Right. I agree. If we could get yeah. the right person. You know, I think Caicedo would obviously be option A because he he gives you both short term short-term cover and and long-term competitive edge and balance. Um, but I think beyond that, uh, a loan makes an awful lot of sense for us if we can get it done. And it's, it's, it's easier said than done. Um, we had the Camavinga rumours at the start, which I don't think any of us really thought would come to anything. I, I can't see anything there. But, you know, if someone moves tomorrow, you know, you have all these dominoes falling right when someone goes somewhere, someone else has to move. Yeah. Um, and it's it's possible that that could happen, and it could present a last minute last minute loan opportunity. Um, there are you know there's inequities in the market when it comes to Spain and, and and Italy as well. There's 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 deals that can be done if you want to do them. We got linked to Federico Chiesa from uh, Juventus earlier on in the window, and that would stuff something like that would make sense if Juve, who are obviously floundering in like I think they 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 got hammered at the weekend. I think they've gone down to thirteenth, fourteenth. Um, and they've got a couple of players that could be interesting if they were willing to, if they were willing to part. Um, you know, they've got a couple of players obviously that we've gone in for before. I just don't know that there's enough time left to get one of those those kind of deals over the line. You know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, okay, mate. Well, uh, anything else? We've anything else, or have we uh, covered everything? I think we're good. I think cool. we're good. All right. Well, thank you very much. It's been an enjoyable, enjoyable chat. And uh, we will see you all next week um, after the Everton game, unless, of course, something happens and we may have an emergency transfer pod again. So fingers crossed. I would really like to like to do an emergency Caicedo pod tomorrow. Yeah, same. We'll definitely jump back on if we yeah. uh, if something yeah, so, happens. Uh, worst comes to worst, we'll see you next week, but hopefully before then. So goodbye, everybody. Bye bye.